Okay, so uh, I'm going to be 50 next month, in case you all didn't know. I know that I look about 35. I appreciate that. And uh, (laughs) I uh, feel like I'm in the biggest process of transformation I've ever been in my life. I've been pastoring now for 14 years, longer than that, if you count me being a youth pastor. Um, I've been a Christian now for 28 years. I gave my life to the Lord in 2000. Wait, 1992. (laughs) I always get the decades mixed up. Uh, 1992. Thank you. See, you all know my story as well as I do. I appreciate that. Yes. You don't know how many Grateful Dead concerts I went to, though. That's right. Yeah, I keep throwing you for a loop so you won't remember. It was a lot. It was a lot. And uh, so, you know, I just want to start out by saying how much of a transformation I am personally going through. My hope is that it would inspire you. I've walked with the Lord for a long time. I've encountered him in a lot of ways. I've been used by him in a lot of ways. I've seen a lot of things. And I am more humbled today than I've ever been in my entire life. And whenever I talk about things to help you, I want you to know that I talk from my own heart. I preach to my own self. And they're my own life messages. They're messages that I believe God's doing to me. That's also for us. And so I'm in a huge transformation. Some of you are visiting. Some of you don't know. I have talked about it a lot. But I don't know. It's been seven weeks now since I had a profound encounter with the Lord that has forever changed my life. It's changed how I read the Bible. It's changed how I view myself and others. It's been sobering. It's been a lot of tears and massive amounts of joy. It's been a lot of emotions. In many ways, I feel like I got born again again. That's what it feels like. It feels like when I cried out from Psalm 51 that God would restore to me the joy of my salvation, that he did. That when in Psalm 51 verse 10, when he said, renew in me a right spirit and cre- or create in me a clean heart and renew in me a right spirit, that's what I feel like's happening. And I've taught on, it's amazing that I've taught on so many things that I feel like are happening to me for the first time all over again. And that I look back and I go, man, I thought I knew, but I hardly really knew what I was talking about. And it doesn't mean that God wasn't pleased with it. It doesn't mean that I was a liar. It doesn't mean that I, I was completely off base. It just means that the depth of wisdom and understanding that God has, I didn't really know. But when you have an encounter, even before I get to this message, I want to say this to all of you. You have to have encounters with the living God, real genuine experiences with him. Experiences solidify and establish your faith. Hearing his voice, being touched by him, being prophesied over that reveals things inside of your heart that causes you to worship in a profound way. Being healed, being baptized, being born again, feeling his presence in worship, hearing God talk to you in the night in a dream, having some strange encounter with some mystery person. That did something for you and you looked back and they were gone. And it could have been an angel. The the wondrous works of God are so beautiful. And they're so important. Because if you don't get touched by God, everything relies on intellect and logic instead of experience. We must desire spiritual experiences and encounters with the Lord. I don't want to come here and play church. I want to encounter him. I want to be touched by him. I want to hear him. But I also want to be dealt with. The reason why I want to be dealt with is because I understand from a biblical standpoint that if I don't get dealt with, if God doesn't refine me more, if God doesn't cut things out of me, prune my life, throwing branches in the fire, causing me to become more like him, then I stay more like me in my intellect, my logic, and my own opinions. And I'm full of opinions. 
let me just tell you, I'm full of opinions. And actually what's happening to me is I'm becoming a lot more silent so that I don't share my own opinions. That is a miracle in and of itself, <laughs> if you know me. And it's not an easy thing. It's a tension. It's a tension. So I talk about being spirit-led. I talk about walking in the spirit. I talk about hearing God's voice. And then when God comes to deal with me on the next level, he says, that's going to require you to speak less. That's going to require you to not always share your opinions. In fact, never share your opinions. And we're going to talk about opinions today, but the only way to really deal with opinions is to have an encounter and to know what God says about the matter. Because deep on the inside, I have a lot of belief systems about you that you don't really want to hear. That doesn't mean I don't like you. In fact, I do love you. But there's things in your life that if I probably examined closely, if I don't see them through God's lens, it's not going to be pretty. <laughs> That's why I say we, we wouldn't like each other if we didn't know Jesus, probably, unless we were all drinking it up, hanging out at the club, right? Then, you know, after a few shots of tequila, you kind of like anybody. I mean, it's like, you don't care. But in a sober mindset, in a sober mindset, we're called to think soberly about ourselves. And that's difficult because it causes you to actually look inward to the things you don't want to see and the things you don't, you know you shouldn't say, but you still think them. And from Jesus' perspective, saying them and thinking them are the same. It may not be the same to the person because we're not, we just don't want to railroad people and be rude to them all the time by sharing our you know, likes and dislikes. But on the inside, I'm talking about on the inside, the depth of the level that God is digging in these days. I love what Jordan said yesterday at our, 20, at our uh, team leader, Tend and Keep, but he said this, and I've been thinking it. We started the year off with the 2020 Vision Conference, right? And everything was about fresh vision for the future and what God was saying and doing and an election year and all these things that are happening in the world around us. And we've got like this vision. God, give us fresh vision. Little did I know that the vision was going to be internal instead of external. So the 2020 vision says, oh, I'm going to come show you. I'm going to give you new eyesight for what's going on on the inside because I'm going to deal with you. So I talked about many times judgment starts with the house of God. That's not a fearful thing. When you know that God is a God of love, if I say, God, anything in me that's not of you, I don't want it. Judge me, correct me, direct me. Then what that actually proves is who I am as a son. Instead of being afraid. Some of you would be terrified at the thought of saying, God, judge me and deal with the things on the inside. But if you could see it from a right perspective and let God do what God does best and deal with you, you become more like him and it actually produces, and I taught this a few weeks back, what's called a peaceable fruit of righteousness. Now I see you with eyes of purity. Now instead of manifesting on you and telling you all the stuff that really ticks me off or thinking them in the back of my heart and then subtly wrapping it around religious spiritual language to correct you. <sighs> no, I'm just explaining to all of you the depth of what God is dealing in my own life in hopes that he would do it in yours. It's really spiritual witchcraft. I prophesy because I love you so much and I've heard the Lord say something about you that he wants me to say to you. I don't prophesy for any other reason and I don't want to love just so I can prophesy. That's sick. Lord, help me to love them better so that I could prophesy over them. Correct them, direct them. No. It's another level of incredible perfect love that really... and. I think I was on to something, so I won't go so far to say that I wasn't. Like, I've even talked with you guys about the importance of seeing others the way God sees them. And if you could, I did a whole message titled, Do You See What I See? 
I mean, we have to learn to see others the way God sees them. But what about loving them the way God loves them? Because I can see you as a daughter. I can see you as a son. I can see promise. I can see purpose. I can see hope. That's great. But if I'm not loving you, then in my heart, I'm going to be mad at you. I'm going to be angry at you. I'll give you an example. Oh, I'm full of examples. You may not like them, but I'm going to get it all out. There was a couple that started that I had met a while back, and I met this person out in the city somewhere and built up a friendship and invited them to Rock City. They came to Rock City, and their marriage was going through a lot of difficulties. They were getting evicted from their house, children issues, struggles, challenges, young kids, and we built a real friendship with them like we really spent time with them, we mentored them, we loved on them, we had them over to our house, like we really built a relationship with this couple. And the finances were really, really difficult in their life. This guy had been laid off repeatedly. He's an oil field worker. And then we prayed, and they got just rocked by the Holy Spirit here. Like rocked. Flamed on rocked. They joined the church. Their marriage got strong. Their God opened up doors for them for a new house. We helped them out financially to make it through a difficult season. They had little kids. We just did all that we could. The guy gets a job, and I don't see him or his family for seven months. And I reached out a few times, didn't hear anything from him, seven months. A few days ago, I got a call from the, the husband, and he's like, Hey, I got laid off, COVID, all kinds of stuff, oil field. My wife's divorcing me, and my, they're leaving me with my kids. I have no money, and we're being evicted. And we're in the worst place we've ever been. Now, I'm going to tell you it's hard for me to tell you, but I'm telling it to you because I'm dealing with things in my own heart. And if I'm not real and raw with you, I don't think you'll be real and raw with your own self. And the first thought I had was, that's what happens when you get out of fellowship and relationship with your church family. Whew. Man, it was a horrible thing. It was a horrible thing. Because even though I may have been somewhat right, I was not righteous. Now, I did not say it, just so that you know. But I thought it. But with my encounter, the Lord, oh, man, the Lord was so, it was so on me. I could feel the weight of their brokenness and the hurt and the pain. And it didn't matter whether they had been here or not. It didn't matter whether he had been coming or not. My heart broke and I began to weep and feel the weight of what he and his family and the children must be going through. And my response was, bro, I'll do anything I can to help you. Whether you come back or not. And I wept with him instead of, and I could have subtly not even just said it that way, but from a spiritual counseled him as a pastor and directed him and then lovingly said, this is what happens. That's the type of stuff that God's dealing with me. Why can't we love so perfectly like Jesus loves? But see, we think these things, and then we allow the words to come out of our mouth. Or even if we don't, they root inside of our heart, and they keep us subtly divided. Because I don't like the way you're acting. I don't like what you did. And I'm full of these opinions that are not God's perspective. And I'm going to challenge your opinions today. Opinions about yourself. Opinions about others. Opinions about God. I wrote this down. Brad McClendon said this last week at our men's conference. He said we must lay down our own opinions. And us changing instead of changing others to change. Or expecting others to change. 
We have to lay our opinions down and we need to change instead of expecting others to change. See, you know, in this classic scenario of marriage and relationships, the partners are fighting, spouses are fighting, and the mindset is, I just wish you would change. You need to change. And you may be right, but you're not righteous. See, I had that about my own wife. So I took me five years to marry her. I had my list. I had my expectations. And there were lots of things about her I straight up flat did not like, just so that you know. There were a lot of things about her I didn't like, but they were my own issue. And when I finally made the decision to marry her, after we got married, the first year or two was brutally hard. We would say things like, she would say things like, you should have married somebody more spiritual than me. I'm not spiritual enough for you. Because I had all these expecta spiritual expectations of her that were still a part of my list that I maybe threw away in the trash can, but didn't throw away in my heart. So I still had these expectations, and she's smart enough to pick that up. And don't get me wrong, she had a lot of stuff that she needed to work on too. But the more that I pressured her, the more that I challenged her, or the more that I pushed her, or even subtly wished things would be a different way, if you know my wife at all, it never worked. It only made it worse. But when I finally realized the best thing I could do is love her, when I actually got the revelation that I didn't know how to love, I told that story several Wednesdays ago. I'm not going to tell today. I'll run out of time. But when I finally got the, the realization that I didn't know how to love because I had jacked up parents, a divorced dad, and uh, mom and dad, and I lived half the year with each and spoiled by my mom and lived with a man that had playboys and various girls all around all the time. And then I was, all the girlfriends I ever dated was all about me in high school. And so even though I was born again, I still had a jacked up perspective and understanding of what normal, healthy marriage looked like. Right? All the while, I'm a pastor. But that's in God's kindness and mercy. I wasn't purposefully lying, cheating, stealing, conniving. It's God and his grace and his care for you despite you. It's God leading you through process. So even in the midst of me sharing these things with you, never take it as condemnation or beat yourself up. See it as a beautiful revelation to set you free. And here I am 27 years later as a pastor, 28 years later, about to turn 50, preached hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of messages and I'm in the process of getting rocked and transformed because it never stops you don't ever arrive and some of you are thinking well tomorrow when things get better or when I get out of this season or when I get that financial breakthrough or I don't know what it is we're always looking forward to but God taught me many years ago you'll always be feeling that way so learn to rest and trust me in the now. Because we're always living in the tomorrow, which keeps us from not being present now with our friends, our spouses, and our kids. And we're living in this grandiose, we, I call it delusions of grandeur. The best thing that's coming is eternity with the Lord. Until then, there's going to be fallings away, people's love growing cold, you're going to have every opportunity to be rejected, and you have to forgive 480 times in a day, which is every 2.9 seconds. I mean, it's like, we came to the Lord so that we could be saved from ourselves and the sinful nature that was corrupt that caused us to have jacked up perceptions and opinions about ourselves and others, which then leads us to drugs and alcohol and addiction and isolation and loneliness and depression and the list goes down that road but for Jesus he came and rescued you that's what you've been rescued from and the devil but I don't you know it's funny I'm wrestling myself way more than I'm wrestling the devil because I've learned the devil's already been defeated keep the door shut and start dealing with the issues in your own heart and don't blame it on the devil he's already defeated You know what an opinion is? Well, I'll give you the definition. It's a view or belief or a judgment formed about something or someone 
not necessarily based on fact or knowledge. Something you think or judge or believe about someone that's not necessarily based on fact or knowledge. It's an opinion. It's an estimation of the quality or worth of someone or something. Can you imagine how scary it is to think that we of ourselves are estimating the value and worth of somebody else outside of God? <laughs> That's insane. It's pure insanity. But we do it all the time. And then we formulate opinions and judgments that aren't necessarily based on fact or truth because you don't know the whole story. We don't know what God knows. We don't see the depth of what God sees. But I'm constantly looking at actions and questioning motives and formulating opinions. Trust me. Don't think for a second they're not everywhere in this room. But God has an answer for that. He's got a really good answer for that. And we're going to find it today. Jesus never shared his own opinion. He never shared his own opinion. He wasn't estimating your value or worth from his own view, human viewpoint, but rather he always saw through the Father's eyes of love and purposeful intent for all of his people. It wasn't his opinion. It was based on fact and knowledge, and it was the estimation and value and the worth based on the Father's perspective. Like, let's go back to my son for a second. I like talking about this because he's six. And he's learning and he's growing. And it's amazing to me what comes out of a six-year-old. <laughs> Yesterday, he was really tired. He, they had not been feeling good a few days ago. So he's kind of coming out of it. We've been on the go. We're in a remodel. It's all kinds of stuff going on in our house. He was tired. And he determined that he wanted his iPad. And there was nothing going to change his mind. So he starts melting down and bawling and crying. But he was really tired. Okay? So that, you know, when... They don't even have any sensibility when they're tired. None. Completely irrational. <laughs> so I'm like, no, son, we, you know, go lay down. I don't want you to have your iPad right now. And he just melts down, melts down, crocodile tears shooting out of his eyes. And then out of his mouth comes, you don't love me. You don't love me. <laughs> so funny. Oh, man, how much we act just like that with the Lord. Oh, man. Why does God use children to show us ourselves so much? That's what cracks me up. But see, I really do genuinely love him. And it's not an opinion. It's a fact. Every move Jesus made, he would make with intentionality of perfect love. Everything he would say and do would only be done the way the Father would do it. Any other way would be of himself in pride and the opposite of true humility. Even in his correction and rebuking, it would be done from a righteous position of perfect love. That's how Jesus did it. Let's look at the scriptures. Romans chapter 12, verse 3. God has given me grace to speak about pride, a warning about pride. I would ask each of you to be emptied of self-promotion, not create a false image of your importance. Instead, honestly assess your worth by using your God-given faith as the standard of measurement. And then you will see your true value with an appropriate self-esteem. I like what the New King James Version says. It says, don't think of yourself more highly as you ought to, but think of yourself soberly. For God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. We're going we're gonna to really, we really need to deal with opinions. We really need to deal with these things inside of our heart. It doesn't mean I say everything, but it means I take it to the Lord. And then sometimes I do say them. Like when my wife, when she says something about her struggle with the Lord and learning something and not understanding something. Like my, my, I'm telling on my wife today, she's not here, but that's okay. I do it all the time. 
She's like, I still don't see how a giant whale could have swallowed Jonah. And I'm like, how can you not see that? It's so easy to see. She's like, well, I'm wrapping my mind around that. Well, that and a whole kinds of other things that we talk about that she's really genuinely learning and growing and processing that I think I have the answers on. I would get offended at that she would even say that or think that and my response in the tone of my voice would actually cause her to close up and shrink back rather than open up and us have healthy communication and unity. <laughs> Man, I'm telling you, my marriage has never been better, ever. And then I said to her, I said, you know, she was processing something. She openly shared it yesterday. She's like, you know, working through the concept of healing, that it's just a coin toss. God may or he may not. So we can't really have certainty that he will. Now she's come out of that. And she's been talking about a lot lately. But oh man, did that, would that make me upset? <laughs> and she, and I said, when she said it, I said, oh my gosh, like she was talking about knowing the father's love. My wife's on this incredible discovery. And she's talking about God's perfect, or the father. She's never really understood it to the depth of the father's love because of her father's relationship. And she's always been all about Jesus. But me, it was all about the father's love. Because I got, I, he was the dad I never had. I was orphaned. So for me, the first thing that brought me to the Lord was the father's love. More than anything. So when she said it, I had this epiphany that in the past, I would actually get offended subtly. And then even, I wouldn't like get mad at her, but the way I would respond to her would actually produce shame right. rather than freedom. I know this is heavy stuff, but look, I'm help trying to help you see what I'm seeing. Instead, I said, oh my gosh, this is so awesome. She's like, what? What are you talking about? This is terrible. This is terrible. I should know that. I'm like, no, this is incredible. God is moving so mightily in your life. The fact that you even see it and desire it is the Lord working on your behalf. And this is the thing. Like, I really wanted to hit the godly and worldly sorrow thing again today. I'll come back to it. But you have to understand, God produces remorse for a purpose. It's good that we feel remorse. It's good to feel bad about it. But if it becomes regret, and if it takes root and leads to shame, that's the problem. And many of us, regret and roots of shame took root in us in our childhood or many, many years ago because we never saw our value or self-esteem from God's perspective. We weren't nourished and cared for and loved. And, and then we went through massive amounts of church dysfunction. And then we're all jacked up. And then God comes to the rescue. Let's just thank God right now. Because he's coming to the rescue. We say, look, we're so focused on the election and we're so focused on the world around us. God says, I'm coming to focus on the world inside you. Better marriages. Stronger covenant commitments. Stronger children. This is the answer. The body of Christ alive. Woohoo! On fire, real fire, like next level fire, like authentic fire. Like look you in the eyes and love you with purity fire. Eyes of fire love. I can't, I'm just like a kid in a candy store excited. But I don't know, an hour ago I was crying. <laughs> it's like crazy. Okay, back to the scripture. I would ask each of you to be emptied of self-promotion, not create a false image of your importance. Instead, honestly assess your worth by using your God-given faith as the standard of measurement, and then you'll see your true value with an appropriate self-esteem. Okay? Pride is deep pleasure and satisfaction derived from my own achievements. The admiration of self devoid of haughtiness. The admiration of self devoid of haughtiness. Uh, it's the admiration of self. 
It's deep pleasure and satisfaction from my own accomplishments and achievements. So the Bible says we're to check ourselves and our motives and how we think and process our own image and identity. That's what we just read. With an honest assessment, allowing God's perfect love to measure us. And in turn, we crush pride and selfish ambition in our own lives with true self-deprecation. We take an honest look at all the hidden areas of shame, pride, fear, and self-preservation. And then we don't need to be nice to ourselves. We need to take it to the cross. We don't think too highly of ourselves, which creates a false image. When you think too highly of yourself, it creates a false image of how important you think you are. Which always leads to self-promotion. If you think you're important and you think of yourself higher, then, then you always will promote yourself. You don't know who I am and what I've done. Let me show you my rap sheet of accomplishments. But instead, we humble ourselves, serve others, and make ourselves of no reputation. We take up our cross, deny ourselves, and build proper self-esteem in the eyes of the Heavenly Father. Does God want you to have self-esteem? Yes. Does he want you to have confidence? Yes. Do I feel proud of my son when I see him do lots of things, surf for the first time, run lightning fast, or do pick, clean up his room, or whatever? Do I want him to feel good, in a sense, and to feel prideful about who he is? is yes but i want him to see it through the eyes of perfect love and what that the father has given it all to him and never for him to think haughty or prideful of himself or better than everybody else and when we look at ourselves we have to look with eyes of faith from god's perspective so it says be introspective with your god-given faith according to the measure of faith that he thinks soberly according to the measure of faith what does that mean God gives me a faith that comes from him, and when I see it from his perspective, I see everything differently. It's not my own self-achievements or accomplishments. It's who he is in me. Okay? And it produces confidence. But confidence in him and his ability in me. Romans 12, 9. Let the inner movement of your heart always be to love one another and never play the role of an actor wearing a mask. You know what the new King James says? Let love be without hypocrisy. You want to know what hypocritical love is? I say I love you, but I don't really like you. <laughs> or I think you're a complete idiot because you're not doing what I think you should do. And I'm full of opinions. Come on, guys. We are so stinking opinionated. And the, and. It's what's happened to me is so sobering that I'm realizing it's probably a lot of times I need to just not say anything and I need to deal with what I'm thinking within my heart and I need to take it to the Lord. That's the answer is take it to the Lord. So when that, when I got the call, my first thought was to say, man, dude, if you would have stayed in church and you would have stayed here and you would have stayed connected to me, you wouldn't be in this spot. It's so jacked up. Right. But see, that's why you have the Holy Spirit. I was dealt with in a split second. Maybe the remote thought came, but there was no, it didn't take root, nor did I act on it. And I'm saying it to you to teach a lesson because if I don't give you real world stories and applications, I'm just giving you ideas. And none of this can happen without a God conscience and without an encounter with the Lord where the reality of God in your life is there every minute of every day. That comes from really understanding what God feels and says about you from his word. So if I'm going to measure myself, how am I measuring myself? According to what God says. Not what you say. And it doesn't mean that I don't listen to what you say. It means that when you speak to me or when you tell me something or when I'm listening to you, I'm listening to him. So now I'm taking it to him. Because there are times you can be right and righteous. Oh man, we could... You don't understand. I could talk with you for hours and hours and hours about stuff. Now, I'm going to tell you a story I did not want to tell. I don't want to tell this story. You know why I don't want to tell? You know why it's hard for me to tell a lot of these stories? Because you may not like me or you may think something second guess about me and say, well, but who cares about all that? 
Do we want authenticity in family or do we want to go through the motions of playing nice church and we all pretend and wear a mask? Oh, my wife. I think God's using my wife more than ever. I'm telling you, I've never been more in love with my wife, ever. I'm so, I can't stop looking at her. I feel like I met her for the first time. She's like, I told her the other day, I said, oh, man, I love, she goes, I know. You've told me that 50 times today. I'm like, well, then I'll just shut up then. I don't know what to say. And what it's the, the, the life and the free instead of this. And then I started, I had this sadness. Can I just talk to you guys? I mean, look, I have the most awesome message here. Maybe I'll get to it next service. <laughs> I had so much sadness hit me the other day, like sadness. I mean, I was so sad and I couldn't really pinpoint it. It was kind of like I was sad because I realized I had lived so long one way. That for, because I'm about to celebrate nine years of marriage with Amber, September 17th, by the way. Thank you. Nine years. How I allowed so much turmoil and division and lack of perfect love to be in my marriage for so long. And then when God starts revealing all this stuff to you, it's like, it's been so great. But then I had this like heavy sadness hit me. Like just sad. And I didn't know what it was. I was just so sad. And uh, I, I had a chance to talk to Brad. And Brad's like, you need to flush that out. You need to worship. He's like, worship is the best thing that you can do to flush out the sadness. Yeah. I said, oh, I'm going to worship. I'm going to get back on my congas. I haven't played almost all year. I'm going to get back up there. I'm going to play. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get back to my, and I'm like a kid all over again in so many years, but I was really sad. And then here comes, here comes the baseball bat blow from my wife. This is, this is a heavy thing for me to tell you. But if I don't self-deprecate and despise the shame, you might not either. We, my wife and I sat down to have a conversation a few nights ago, and I could tell she was bothered. It's chaos around our house. We've been, we're remodeling our garage into a master bedroom. Our house is cluttered. She can't stand clutter and disorganization. And we're, we're remodeling and the, there's no consistency. The kids haven't been able to do homeschool because we're crammed into a little 1,500 square foot house and stuff's everywhere, right? And she just doesn't do well in that. But something was bothering her more than that because our kids, you know, in that, they tend to act out more. They tend to not be, rested and consistent because they're not in a routine and a schedule and you know and so she sits me down <laughs> I'm like okay lay it on me and she says oh man she says I feel like you are not being a good spiritual leader of this home You don't understand what that would have done to me before. The offense in my heart. I know what I would have said then. Are you kidding me? I pray with the kids all the time. I talk with the, about the Lord now everywhere we go. The sand, the ocean, the sea, all the time. I'm talking about the Lord and stories and this and that. He goes, she goes, yeah. No, no, I didn't say that. I'm telling you what I would have said. And it was like a quick jab to my heart. And I was like, ooh, man, that hurt. It like hurt. But I listened differently. And I realized she's right. She said, I said, how, how so? She said, you know, the kids have a lot of questions about the Lord and I want times where we really sit down and they, and you really grab their attention and you really ask them questions and engage with them on a deeper level and actually take out some of these picture Bibles and really show them and teach them the deeper things and us together as a family and I feel like 
we don't do a Sabbath together. Because we're always busy and there's always something going on and we don't take a day to just shut off the phones and the TVs and the iPads and just be together as a family. And I have to tell you, I was listening to her and my heart was leaping with joy. Leaping. And I said, she's right. I can leap. Instead of getting offensive, offended, which would have been my first reaction. Instead of me bowing up, which would have been my first reaction. Instead of me defending myself, which would have been my first reaction. I smiled big and I said, I, I said, let me get my laptop. It's 1030 at night. And I said, oh man, let me get my laptop. Let's start. I started speaking her love language. I said, let's talk about our calendar. Oh man, you want to get my wife fired up? Talk about a calendar. <laughs> Start making a list, everybody. I have learned so well over the years. <laughs> I'm like, this is going to, I'm going to make this about her. Now, I know I'm out of time, but I'm going to show you this one scripture, okay? Verse 10. I. I'm not going to be able to film and pray for you, but look at this verse 10. Be devoted to tenderly loving your fellow believers as members of one family. But this is what has been resonating in my heart every day since I read it a week ago. Try to outdo yourselves in respect and honor of one another. If you look up the word outdo, it literally means to compete with yourself. And how much you can give in love. How much beyond you can go. It's beyond the extra. It's the extra mile and then some. And now I'm in a competition. It's literally a competitive word. Outdo. But I'm not competing against you. I'm not even going to compete to buy lunch. Because that, that. You could take it that way. I'll just pay for everything. I'll just. Let me just. It's some of that. But if it's not spirit-led, then you could be doing it out of guilt or pride, and you don't even know it. It's religious pride. Oh, man. We do not have the time for me to tell you this story. I'm going to tell you one more story. Oh, you, this one's going to crack you up. I'm going to this conference. Brad says to me, it's a men's conference. My friend Brad says, let's get a house. I said, okay, we'll get it. He says, I got two more guys that want to stay there. And I, and I said, well, I got Jason Lee Jones, and we're going to cover his expenses. So we roll out this, like, fat daddy $1,300, $1,400 house for two nights. Like a full-scale bed and breakfast. And then, because we're going to host people over there, we're going to just do it up, right? There's five of us that are going to stay there, which is not that much money for two nights, right? It seems like a lot, but it was really a nice house. Everybody's going to split it, except we were going to cover the cost of one person. So the week before, Brad says to me, hey, listen, I have another place to, I book it. Brad says, I have another place to stay if somebody wants to take my bed. And on the inside, I'm like, are there any kids? There's kids in here. I'm like, heck no. And I'm like, dude, we got this house together. You can go stay somewhere else. But I was like, okay, I just kind of bit my lip. Uh, the day before, he called, or I'm sorry, the day morning of, he calls me. And, uh, or actually he texts me and he says, hey, the other two guys got, a, I took them, they got a hotel. I said, they got a hotel? Oh man, I was fuming on the inside. I booked this $1,400 house. You're going to stay somewhere else and the other two got a hotel? What the? I wanted to cuss, okay? I'm just telling you I wanted to cuss. I, I probably might have on the inside, but I'm not going to say it publicly, right? <laughs> and so, so I call him, and I'm letting him have it. I'm like, dude, what? You know, I got this house for us to stay there and host people. Now you're saying, and now these other two people, they're going to have to pay. And he starts laughing. He had me on speakerphone with the guys in the car. 
Oh my gosh, I blew a gasket. I blew a gasket. And they start laughing because they know I'm manifesting. And they think it's hilarious. He says, you know the guys, <laughs> you know the guys are in the car, <laughs> and they're all laughing, and I was so embarrassed, I was so embarrassed. So I'm like, crap, oh, man. So I said, so they, they said, don't worry about it, we'll check out of our hotel and give it to someone else, we'll come stay at the house. Then I felt so bad. Man, I felt, I had remorse. I had remorse. And I knew what the Lord was telling me I'd do. I was going to have to apologize to those guys for how I acted. So that night, that night, I see him at the conference, and I go up to him, and I said, listen, there's two other guys around, too, a couple other guys. And I said, hey, guys, I really need to apologize of how I acted. I said, I'm so sorry. And the Lord had been speaking to me how much I missed an opportunity to actually outdo So I said to them, I said, you know what? I said, I want to cover y'all's house. And they were like, uh-uh. They're like, you're doing that out of guilt. I said, no, I'm not. I said, I realized I missed an incredible opportunity to just trust the Lord and stop trying to control everything. You know what it's called? Riding the current. It's called catching the wind. It's called stop trying to work every angle. And you're so upset about a few dollars and money. It really was. A, God began to reveal to me money issues in my heart. Over 1400 bucks. And how much more God could bless your life. If you stopped stressing and worrying about money and all these things. And you started trying to outdo one another. In love and honor and respect. Isn't that powerful? Yes. So I'm going to close now. And I'm going to close this way by saying. We have to see ourselves and others the way God sees us. You need to check yourself consistently by listening to the Lord and getting God's perspective. I do want to say this to you. I didn't. This is going to be another message. Seven weeks ago when I had my encounter, you might remember, I didn't even know how to call out to the Lord that night. And I know the Lord, but it was as if he was showing me something about myself. I didn't know how to pick up my weapons of warfare and fight. I was in so much fear and terror. But you know what I did have? I may not have known how to use my gun, but I had an armory on the inside. <laughs> I had enough insight and wisdom and word and knowledge so that when God took my mind prisoner, he had something to work with so that he could lead me on a journey of discovery because I know enough of his word that he could have a long conversation, a seven hour conversation with me because I had invested the time of discipline to learn and study and become a student to know him, not about him but to know him. That's another lesson message for another time. I'm just on download. But I'm close with this. You got to get rid of your opinions. We're full of them. Could you imagine if I pastored you based on opinions? Do you know that I don't vote based on opinions of whether I like somebody or not? I don't pastor you whether I like you or not. That would be so jacked up. Just ask my buddy Kent over here. The day he walked in off a bus smoking crack that day and confessing it to me at the altar. And here he is 14 years later sitting here. I'm proud of you. In many ways, Kent could seem like the least and the most insignificant. But if you listen to this Man, talk, he's full of the word, full of power, full of confidence, and loves Jesus. And this guy has a past like you wouldn't believe, and he shared his testimony here. I love him as much as I love any millionaire. Maybe more.
we got to lay down our opinions and likes and dislikes, even when it comes to this election. I'm not looking at whether I like the person running for mayor here, because there's, there's several people running that I actually like. I know them. I, I'm going to vote based on policy, and I'm going to vote based on the spirit, and I'm going to vote based on the closest to biblical values that I can get. That's how I'm going to vote. I'm not going to vote based on personal preferences or entitlements. We're going to vote on the, the leading of the spirit, and we're going to vote based on what God says and biblical values. And I have a few of them that I stand on firmly. It pretty much comes down to uh, choosing life for me. It's pretty simple. And so, I love you. All of you, thank you for coming here. My hope is that you would walk out of here different. At least starting to see things different. Not walking in shame, but checking your actions and your hearts. You can love so much better. If you're dating, you can love so much better. So Lord, I just bless everybody here. Lord, I pray that you would open our eyes to see the things that we don't know that we're doing so we can find forgiveness, so we can love better, so we can have stronger marriages, raise our children the way you want them to be raised. We can love ourselves the way you love us, Lord. We wouldn't be highly opinionated or think of ourselves higher than we ought to. It wouldn't be about us. It'd be about esteeming others better than ourselves, Lord. That's my prayer. When we leave here until we meet again, Lord, I ask that you would invade the space of everyone's heart, their home, their family. Holy Spirit, get us and don't back down. Deal with us. Deal with our hearts, Lord. Give us a right perspective of how you feel, how you see, and how you think. And I thank you, God, for this church that we're loving well. We're on a mission to love like you love. And in turn, we know great, great, things, an outpouring of your spirit, signs, wonders, extravaganzas, joy beyond measure is coming to this house, to our homes and our families. So I bless you all mightily today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you all for letting me just pour it all out. I love you guys. We'll see you guys on Wednesday.